0: Sam Marjofsky here Nevada's favorite recovering Californian glad to be with you friends this beautiful Monday you're listening to the what's right show every weekday 2 to 3 p.m right here on KXNT what a weekend we are of course dealing with the aftermath of the Hobbes decision being released this is the decision that overturned Roe v Wade people are freaking out and one of I think one of the most important questions going into the weekend probably going into all of this since the decision the Alito majority opinion was released some weeks ago is what effect will this have politically Because, of course, we're going into what I think we all acknowledge to be a remarkable and potentially earth-shaking primary and general election season in these midterms. And what we are anticipating, and I'll get into some of the data on this in a moment, is nothing short of a political tsunami. So how does this all affect it? Because if you... If you are willing to go by the noise on social media, if you're willing to accept the shrillness uh, of the talking heads on most cable TV channels, the impression you get is, oh, my gosh, this is going to have a major impact on voters in November. And the truth is, friends, that that is not exactly the case. It is not exactly the situation. Let me explain what I mean by, by that. Uh, so we <laughs> there are there are three areas of data not data of information that I'm looking at and that I and then I, I look to in, in evaluating what. Effect this Supreme Court term and there's other decisions, too. It's not just the Hobbs case dealing with abortion. Also, you have Bruin dealing with guns. You we had a big case yesterday drop where a high school, or this morning, excuse me, high school football coach, First Amendment case, he holds a prayer on the 50 yard line, ends up getting uh, basically get almost fired from a school district that he's working at. Neil Gorsuch, in the majority opinion in this case, says, no, it was wrong what the school district did, it violated the coach's free speech and free exercise rights when barred him from praying on the field. Again, yet another case that is riling up the left. So all of this, right, putting it all together, what effect does it have? And I look at three bodies of data. I look at, and this is really important, because one, you always have polling. And anyone old enough to remember 2016 knows that polling is, well, it's only worth what it's worth. The other indicator you have is the immediate reaction the stock market has. It's not definitive. I understand that. I get it. And there's other factors that go into it. But when there are big political earthquakes. Where you have Keith Olbermann melting down live on on Twitter about them, you you figure, okay, so the markets are going to listen to this and the markets are going to freak out, too. When the market goes up five points and does literally the exact opposite of what what you know what conventional wisdom would have it is something of note and finally I always look at the betting markets and I have traditionally because actually funny enough back in 2016 predicting the Trump win leading that effort were the betting markets the betting markets had it right and Nate Silver and all the other pollsters poll aggregators were dead wrong on Trump they didn't see it coming they did not pick up the data And part of that simply is that there is there is and remains a large part of Americans that do not want to be on the record about their opinion because they're being cowed into silence by the mob. And that is exactly where we're at. So polling and this poll was taken. Fox is presenting this as having taken after the decision and Hobbs was released on abortion this is, this poll was actually done a few days before but well after the opinion the draft opinion was leaked so people were basically at this point aware that it was very likely that a full overturn of roe was in the works now here's what's fascinating on this and why the effects of roe on the midterms may not be as drastic as we think there is a margin of two to one People that were polled, again, this is a USA poll, this is not a National Review poll, it's not a Fox News poll, it's a USA Today poll. Americans opposed to Roe v. Wade, so people that, people that are opposed to Roe v. Wade, excuse me, being struck down, so people who are pro-Roe say that the economy will be more important to their vote. And that's by a factor of two to one. You want the the raw percentages? You want that? 59% to 29%. Now let that sink in. So of the people that are pro-legalized abortion who think Roe v. Wade should not have been overturned, 59% versus 29% still think that the economy is more important than abortion. And this is not a good sign for the Democrats who are hoping to capitalize on this. Only 15% — this is from the same poll — only 15% of voters view abortion as the most important midterm issue. And seven out of 10 voters said that the Supreme Court's decision will have no bearing whatsoever on their vote. Now let me take all this apart and put it back together for you again if I can. The what you have to consider, too, is what portion of people here, okay, are voting that are that are pro-Roe, that are that are anti the Supreme Court right now in the decision that they made and that we're going to vote Republican but won't. And the answer is, according to this poll, that is a very small, small group of people. Now, when I look at the betting markets, this is fun because if you'll recall back in 2016, the betting markets all predicted a Trump victory. And and it was as the election inched closer, the number got higher and higher. So there has for Republicans, the likelihood of Republicans winning the Senate and winning the House, there's a slight dip from Friday to today. It is about 6% down in the Senate and about four and a half percent down for the House. Now, do you want to know what the big number is? Right. I'm, I'm talking about the percentage change. The big number, right? The big number is the, now after the drop, there's still a 70 percent. These are people that are betting money. They're putting their own money. They're saying, I bet that X, Y and Z is going to happen. And, and, and of course, the X, Y and Z is that here in this case, the Senate is going to turn Republican 70 percent favoring the outcome of a Republican Senate, 87% favoring a Republican House. That's after, for the House, it went down already 4.4%, meaning before all of that, it was in the 90s. Now, how does this figure for 24 moving forward another few years? It is interesting. You got to think about that. You know, what's going to happen with the presidential race? Actually, the likelihood of a Republican president went up by 0.2%. So basically unchanged. And, and so you still have 57 to 42 likelihood that they're in, in 24 you're gonna have a Republican president of the United States. This is fascinating because it directly contradicts what you're hearing at the water cooler. And for most people out there that are, that are interacting, the people that are, the, peop- the loudest voices online, the loudest, most shrill, despondent people on TV are people that are anti and that are looking at this and seeing the end of the world coming. And of course, the reasonable voices will prevail. And I'll explain more about that. Why I think in the end, the way this gets sorted out is ideal for us as a country, for us as a society, for us as a a large and diverse group of people. America is not a small, homogenous country. We are geographically diverse, culturally diverse. We are geographically diverse. You know, It's actually the left that tells us how diverse we are. But then when it comes to their opinions, how they think things ought to be, well, at that point, no diversity, right? We all have to do things exactly the same way. I'm gonna take a quick break, take a pause here, and we'll talk more about this when we get back. By the way, Nancy Pelosi pushed a kid. If you didn't see this, I'm gonna tell you about it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. What's Right Show, Sam Rajowski here. News Talk 840 KXNT. Accountability after an accident means more than just a settlement check. It means getting you back to 100%. We hold the insurance company accountable for what they owe you. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. And welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, your host oh we have got a lot to cover today so let me just keep right along moving here uh by the way when it comes to the issue of abortion and abortion rights you hear an enormous amount of screaming right now on the news from a lot of very upset people who believe that the constitutional process has been defiled uh, notably by the judges the justices that decided to Well, abort Roe v. Wade. And here is the long and the short of it. If you actually talk to attorneys who understand the Constitution and how it's written, you go through some of this history, the 50 years of Roe. And I've mentioned a few times here, for example, a lot of people don't know that in uh, a case in 1992 heard on the issue of Roe v. Wade, the case is called Casey. Planned Parenthood of Southern Pennsylvania v. Casey, there was a three-way split among the justices. Did you know, for example, that four out of the nine justices on that case were looking to do a full overrule? Not looking to, they literally went on the record saying they wanted a full overrule of Roe. And ultimately, three signed the controlling opinion that did away with Roe trimester scheme and, 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 and basically lowered... Uh, The burden that had to be shown for states if they wanted to uh, wanted to go ahead and 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 limit put place some limits on abortion so that you know that is one example along the way where it came within one vote. This isn't something that just dropped out of sky post Trump in 2022 literally 30 years ago. Roe was on the chopping block and came within one vote. Of being struck down. A very interesting side note. Now, the, the the matter, the fact of the matter is that there is no constitutional protection for abortion in the in the, in the document. And the, the what Roe did was it created it tried to create this this privacy right and it cobbled it together between the fourth, the fifth, the fourteenth amendments, and it it made this this hodgepodge stew of legal theory that I'll be honest with you, most serious constitutional law professors have long thought is a total joke. But we've shrugged our shoulders at and said, you know what, it's stare decisis. It's been it's already been decided, right? The court has spoken on the topic, but it really is, legally speaking, a mess that the court now looked at it and threw the mess out is not a problem of this court. It is not the fault of these justices that they are looking at this reasonably. The fault lies with the original court that decided Roe in the first place because they erred. And, And by the way, my opinion here has nothing to do with whether I think abortion is right or wrong. That's not the issue. The issue is can the Constitution be stretched to fit any particular agenda if that particular agenda is not addressed in the Constitution? Because remember, and this is this part, I think, is the most important component of this that many do not realize. Even lawyers get out and practice. They forget that they learned this back in law school. But if there is not a particular right that is addressed in the Constitution, that right is reserved to the states or to the people. And that's how it works. In the absence of federal uh, oversight, we'll call it, in the absence of the Constitution specifically mentioning something, the powers, the, the powers are, and rights are reserved for the, for the rest of us, in particular the states and, and the people. So when there's something not in the constitution, for example, a privacy right, the right for us to do what we want with our bodies, okay, taking all the morality out of it, constitutionally speaking, that now, the question of that becomes political for our state governments to determine. That's how that's supposed to work. And if you'll recall the same court that everyone is up in arms about, you remember they declined to hear a number of cases regarding uh, forced, uh, forced uh, vaccinations. They didn't look at those cases. They didn't wanna hear them. And again, because there's no specific constitutional right that protects us from being violated. And, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely think that you insisting my child be be vaccinated at the age of eight and actually looking in some cases, we had politicians, uh, some in Nevada, definitely a few in California, arguing that kids who did not get vaccinated by their parents ought to be taken away by the state and protected from their backwards family upbringing. Again, The Constitution is silent, it's up to the states to protect the rights of those individuals. So what's the solution here? And the solution is one of two, right? We either accept and consider this to be abortion being such a universal, absolute right that we all agree on that we get a constitutional amendment. and the the way that that works is you get two-thirds of both houses of congress or two-thirds of the state request one they call a convention and then the amendment is ratified by three-fourths of the state's legislatures or three-fourths of conventions called by each state so we need three-fourths 75 percent of the states to agree that the protections put forward in Roe is a constitutional right. And then it can happen. But the reason you don't hear Nancy Pelosi and AOC and Biden and Kamala Harris and all these other lunatics talking about this process and calling up an is they know that they don't have, we'll call it, 75% of the country behind them. They want a tyranny by the minority. They want you and I to do what they say because they know they're right, regardless of what democracy calls for. Which brings me to my last point on this, on this topic, and I'll keep repeating this until I'm blue in the face. I think, I'm convinced that there are three camps of people, two small ones, one big one. Are you ready for this? I'm convinced that there is one camp of people that is relatively small that wants, I mean, relatively small, it's less than 50% that don't want any abortions ever under any circumstances. Then there's another small, but very loud vocal minority of people. They want abortions at all times up until basically birth. And then I'm convinced this is a majority group believe that there's a compromise that aborting a seven-month-old fetus is barbaric. But having an abortion up to eight weeks, 15 weeks, whatever the number is, 15 was the number, by the way, thrown out by John Roberts in his concurring opinion in Hobbes. That there's some number and some circumstances, life of the mother, rape, incest, etc., where the choice is there to be made. And that that choice is between then a doctor, a woman, and whoever else they choose to be involved in that process. And I think there's the political solution. But the left is so upset about Roe because they don't want a political solution to this. They don't want to have to fight that. They want to jam it down our throats the way they want it. Knowing full well, they don't have They don't have the votes to back up their own agenda. And that to me is the most despicable part of this entire explosion of of reaction to the Hobbes decision. Is that in this you have a a naked uh, uh, obvious to me, obvious admission that the country isn't behind them. Yeah, it might be popular in L.A., they might have majority rule in San Francisco, and New York, and Washington, D.C. But when you take the country of 330 million people as a whole, they don't have it. They don't have 75% of the states that will ratify their radical agenda. And that to me right there, and th- th- so that's why no one's talking. Let's get a constitutional amendment passed. Let's do this. Let's get this on the books. Let's make this a constitutional right. No one's saying that. A lot of outrage, a lot of emotion, but no substance. How typical. All right, when we come back, speaking of no substance, no class, Nancy Pelosi pushes a six-year-old. You don't want to miss this. You're listening to What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Salmon Ash here with a What's Right PSA. If you've been hurt and a lawyer reaches out to you first, run the other way. It's unethical and honest lawyers don't do it. Don't let your lawyer choose you. If a tow truck driver, mechanic, or anyone at the ER tells you which injury lawyer to hire, chances are that person has a shady deal with the lawyer. Don't risk your future with a crooked lawyer. Choose the law firm you know you can trust. Call us 702 820 1234 or visit salmonashlaw.com. listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, your host, guiding you through an hour of radio excellence right here, live and local in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. So I, yes, I'll get to the Nancy Pelosi story. I just wanted to share with you a couple of reactions here that, uh, again, I I think underline what I've been saying here for the past uh, three minutes or so uh, uh, in regards to the decision on uh in Hobbes to overturn roe v wade you had a cory bush uh democrat uh, missouri uh who is a uh, a congresswoman outraged by the roe v wade draft opinion and in an and in the ultimate in the in the result and said in an interview with msnbc the following when i went to get my abortion i didn't go to a gas station I didn't enter a fast food restaurant. I didn't go to a bank. I went to a healthcare facility because abortion care is healthcare and we are taking away, this will take away folks' access to safe abortions. This is a very compelling point. I'm a Liberty person. I understand that when you outlaw something, uh, you don't necessarily create a, a better set of circumstances. But this is an argument not to be made at how bad the Supreme Court is for making a legally sound decision. This is the argument that you need to take politically to create a a, a movement within this country to put a constitutional amendment in the Constitution. And I mentioned moments ago that that takes 75% of the state legislatures to vote in favor of it. So you need two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate to vote in favor of some constitutional right to abortion, and then 75% of the states. And if you must know, I I, again I think that there is a a, an appetite for some kind of compromise here. I think being reasonable on this topic is 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 where most Americans are at. But bending and twisting and perverting the Constitution, creating rights that don't exist in it, and circumventing this process that our founders set up is not a good idea. And I always tell my friends on both sides of the aisle, you don't want to open Pandora's box. You don't want to create a precedent for playing not by the rules, because guess what? Eventually, it will bite you in the A money money. The other side will play dirty, just like you did. And that is what I admire so much about these justices. I feel like I'm the only person saying this right now, but I'll tell you, I admire these justices. I admire about their their consistency. I mentioned earlier refusing to hear cases related to forced vaccinations. It's not a privacy right in the Constitution, so they said they're not going to hear it. It's not. It's not. It's not in the Constitution. It's not a constitutional matter, or a constitutional question. And then people are surprised. Then the left goes, "Yeah, well, see, there you go. You don't even. You don't have the right. You got to get back, line up, and get your jab." And then. And then, guess what happens. This comes along and they go, I can't believe it, I can't, because they are looking at these things emotionally, they're looking at them politically, and that is not the role of the Supreme Court. And the reason, by the way, the left looks at it this way, the reason that they approach the court as, a, as an arbiter of politics is because that's the court that they want. They want justices that legislate from the bench. They know that these policies that they want pushed through are unpopular, that they don't have plus one support. So they want to go around it and shove it down our throats through fiat. And that uh, not even not even not even legislative fiat through judicial fiat. This is not how the country works. It is not how we are set up. It is not how the structure operates. So whether the court rules in favor of one of your ideas of how things ought to be or against. You really have only two options. You follow the Constitution, right? Well, three, you follow the Constitution. If you don't like that, change the Constitution. Or three, you know, overthrow the government and write a new Constitution. But, you know, we're, we're right now learning that you are not allowed to overthrow the government. And if you do, you get hauled up and, and, uh, and sent to jail for a very long time. So uh, there it is. Can't do that. This is just it, it's so logical to me. There's a compromise here, and it's a political compromise. And certainly the states can sort it out one by one. Or if you think that you need blanket protections, if it's really just I don't know if it's just three or four states that are out there, wackadoodle Christian right, all that, then fine. Then what you do is you go through the path of a constitutional amendment. Do it. But you will not hear Nancy Pelosi talking about it. Instead, Nancy Pelosi, well, let me tell you, she's gotten herself in a bit of a bind. Uh, GOP Rep. Mayra Flores, if you remember, she's the one who won in texas in a special election in texas uh, 34th district 84 percent hispanic district she flipped it red uh, she'll be facing representative vicente gonzalez in the fall now that's going to be a new district redrawn biden plus 15. we'll see how she fares there but she's getting sworn in and whenever a new congressperson gets sworn in what happens is they they meet with the speaker of the house because she's the head of Congress, of of the House of Representatives, and as such, she's the one typically. Now, it, sometimes it gets delegated. You know, when they when they have a big incoming class of freshmen, sometimes other people come along and do it. But generally, the Speaker of the House will swear in each new member. So during the swearing-in ceremony, the, the, well, I think the swearing-in ceremony occurred, and then there was a photo op, and this is all on online. We'll, we'll post it. We'll post this up on the What's Right show on Instagram for you guys to see it, which is at What's Right Show. Literally, very easy to find. So if you go on there, we'll, we'll post it up here in a minute. But, but there's a video where they're, they're ready to take the picture and you've got Myra Flores, Congresswoman Flores with her family. She's got two adorable girls. And the, the most unbelievable thing happens is that she, Nancy Pelosi, basically pushes one of the girls out of the way. And the girl is six years old and unbelievable like you see nancy pelosi kind of elbow her literally push her out because she's getting crowded uh and um and 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 that's it. It, it and by the way yes it's it's making the rounds on conservative twitter and and james wood made some made some light of it earlier today but i'm telling you if trump pushed a kid out of the way i mean it would literally be the lead story today it would be top of the tops of the press I had lunch today with a, a friend, a coworker, a lawyer, a tremendous guy, and he not, he's not a, a, an ideologue at all. And I was, I was talking about the story. I said, can you believe it's not getting a lot of press? It's not getting mainstream you know, attention. It's literally Nancy Pelosi pushed a kid out of the way. And he brought up a great point. He said, you know, to me, the most galling, appalling thing that is pushing me to the right is the past that the media has given Biden versus Trump, that the, that the difference between how Biden is treated with kid gloves and Trump. And, and he brought up an example. He said he was, and we've spoken about this here on the program together before, but he, he, he said he was at a dinner and somebody said to him, well, you, you, you've heard about the Biden daughter diary. My friend goes, no, I, I, I don't have I heard anything about a diary. What, what's this about a diary? We, there's a diary. It got sold to Project Veritas. You, you all know the story. Was, there's was, there was a legitimate diary that we know is, is accurate, we know is real. In fact, we know that the FBI got called in to trace who gave it to whom, so there's, there's a big investigation around it. But anyway, this, 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 this neighbor of my, of my colleague says to him, yeah, there's a diary, and in it, the daughter talks about how she would shower naked with Joe Biden as she was a teen. I mean, weird, odd stuff. And my friend goes, my, my colleague goes, I had, he goes, no, listen, it cannot be true. Because if that were true, it would be all over the news. She goes, look it up. And this is my point. My point been for years. And I said, so you looked it up. You found out it was true. And now what do you think? And he, and he goes, I, I, I'm, I'm appalled by the double standard. And my takeaway from this is, friends, if, you know, because you're listening to this and you go, but of course, Sam, we know this. We've been dealing with this. This is, what are you telling me this for? I'm telling you this because this is an example, a real live example of someone who is waking up right now. These are people that were not present, in it, focused, sold, understanding, aware of the level of of the double standards and the duplicity that the other side has. And, And so they they sleepwalked through this last election. They didn't like the mean tweets. They didn't like some of the more abrasive qualities that Trump had. They, you know, some of them voted for Trump, maybe with their holding their noses, but most voted for Biden. Those people now, I'm telling you, those people now are disgusted and they're seeing it. They're connecting the dots. I'm so encouraged by you know there's a statistic over the last 12 months over 40 in 43 out of 50 states there have been more than 1 million new GOP voters registered it is a a, it is a staggering sum of people what does that mean I mean when you register to vote when you change your voter registration right for one people usually do it for two reasons one they do it to register as well, they do it to, 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 as a I yeah a little bit of a protest right screw you I'm changing parties this is a mess right so it's a, it's a statement, but the other part of it that that happens is it also is a, um, it's it's also done to to participate better in primaries. And the reason I read that there was, that their changes were over 43 states is I presume that a lot of the cha- places where the change didn't occur is where they have open primaries. And so it really doesn't matter what party you're registered in. That people want to have a say in the primaries. They want to engage in the primaries. They want to, per- they want to go, go into the midterms fighting for the best possible candidate the GOP has to offer because they do not want to take any more of this insanity. And I view that as massively encouraging all right i'm a personal injury lawyer here in town in my in my time that i do not do radio and i have to tell you there's a fun little accident involving ben affleck's son i want to tell you about this because it's well you probably didn't hear about it this is a tmz level stuff but it is funny because you shouldn't let your kid drive especially when that kid is 10. you're listening to the what's right show sam rajofsky here be back right after this Kamala Harris slammed by Liberals for a tone-deaf photo shoot during a Roe v. Wade protest. This is a great story. You're listening to What's Right show, Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, Kamala Harris, I guess, posted up a photo of herself flying on her luxurious private jet, Air Force Two, watching the news unfold about the Hobbes case as Roe v Wade was being overturned, she looks concerned. She looks pensive. She's well, I don't know, she's on the job. And so she posts something to the effect that Joe Biden and I, or the president and I are here for you. We're in this together. But the fallout from this was quick. It was merciless and it was predictable. One tweeter wrote um, 36,000 feet above everything watching on a big A money money TV on a private plane. And the messages were in this together. I'm not sure you guys get where the rest of us are right now. This from a writer at Daily Coast. Look, I, somebody else of course asked what strategist decided that a photo op on a taxpayer funded private plane, both physically and metaphorically above the people watching pensively while not demonstrating action was a good idea reminds me if you'll recall george w bush during katrina remember that ill-fated flight overhead when he was in air force one looking out the window he's looking down he's i mean it's a reasonable way to survey the damage as he was flying i think in to actually make a visit but that photo of him that 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 they released of him looking down literally onto death and destruction was not a good moment, it was certainly a low point in the George Bush presidency. <sighs> What's my take? My take is that this is this is all pretty normal. They, 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 <laughs> for, for Kamala Harris, the, the Bush one, that's that one I think was very unfair, the attack on him. I mean, he literally is flying in to go check things out and take care of business and be there as commander in chief. But they went after everything that he did, you know, and, and so, so I'm putting that one in its own camp. But this, this here, they, they, they don't understand what they don't understand. You know, that that old saying, you don't know what you don't know. I, I think it's over their heads, Literally and it's not even Kamala Harris it's the it's the entire crew that is running the the white house and uh and and the vice president's office and the crew is out of touch elitist they are they all think of themselves as vastly intellectually and morally superior to us and so in a moment that any reasonable person would look at and an imagery that they would Find repulsive, or, or certainly, uh, well, we'll say arrogant. They look at this and they see just normal course of business. Nothing unusual, nothing strange to see here, folks. I love the reactions, of course, to this. They say we should fire the person that put up that post. You keep firing people. How many people have they lost in this administration? In particular, Kamala Harris. The idea, friends that this tone deaf Beezy is a heartbeat away from the presidency and that that heartbeat is in the chest of joe biden terrifies me it ought to terrify you i know there are a number of conservative pundits that love the idea of taking out joe biden once we get a majority in the house of representatives and the senate to do to joe biden what they tried to do to trump and i say just hold on a second because a president Kamala Harris literally could result, could, could result in the earth catching on fire. And I'm not talking about global warming. Well, who's the, the backup, the, the, the great hope, right? What do the, who do the Democrats have? I mean, let's talk about it because we actually have a deep bench of talent. We have Trump, don't laugh, he's a contender, he is. Uh, certainly we have, we have DeSantis, there's a handful of others. And we mentioned this. We had a great show with Alan Stock last week where we, where we talked about the, um, the, the the Republican candidates or likely Republican candidates uh, in 24. But but listen, who do the Democrats have? This is I, I would be I would be despondent if I was the Democratic Party, I would be despondent. Hillary, Gavin Newsom, I mean, is that what is it is Beto? Or Beto from from, from Texas, who can, can't win a race to save his life, is he a contender? I mean, no doubt there's some there's some other names. Perhaps AOC could be the great unifier that brings the the country, the party and country together. I have, I'm struggling to say this with a straight face. And at the same time that all that they that they have this total lack of talent and certainly nobody that, that has broad appeal, at the same time that all this is going on, the party continues a lockstep march towards the extreme, toward a near farcical redefinition of what Democratic Party values are. And so, I, I'm I mean, so where what, what's what's the end end result here is that uh, there, I, I don't see a way. Barring a disastrous bungling on the part of Republicans uh, leading into 24, I don't see a way that they maintain the White House with or without Biden, with or without Kamala Harris, with or without the great smiler and diner in chief from California, Gavin Newsom. I don't see it happening. There's no way. And, and, And it's and again, it's locked in some of this some of this uh, baked in repulsion now that is uh, becoming more and more evident from people who did vote for this, who did uh, say, well, you know what? This Trump guy is too much for me. And I had a number of friends, a number of my good friends who, who decided not to vote for Trump. And, and, and I said, but, but you're going to, but oh, so who are you going to vote for instead? Well, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to vote for Biden because, you know, He's gonna bring the country together, restore some normalcy, You know, it's gonna be good. The country's headed in a good direction. No one believed me when I told them how quickly a guy like Biden could undo things. And so that is where we are now, and it is absolutely horrifying. Now, I wanna say a quick thing here, if I may, uh, before the end of the show. This decision today from the Supreme Court, and we're going to have the court's going to, I, I don't think we'll release any decisions tomorrow. So there'll be a few remaining on Wednesday and then the end of term. But this case, uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, this is a fantastic decision. And I'm going to have to get to it tomorrow uh, more in depth. But it's been great to be with you. I, I've got to run. We're up against the clock. You're listening to the West Wright Show. I'll see you tomorrow.